Good morning, folks. We're going to be in Psalm 51 for the next few moments. So if you would turn there, if you have your Bibles, or you can rely upon the screen, because it will be upon the screen. If you'll do something for me as we are in week two of this three-week series, Seasons of the Soul, today we're looking at letting go of the past. So I want to encourage you this morning by telling you that what we believe is that whatever it is that you may be heavy about this morning, whatever you may have done or left undone, that um, you recognize in your life as sin, that could never, ever separate you from the love of God. It cannot. Now, look to your left and to your right and notice someone, whoever, just look at them. Whatever sin they are burdened by this morning, unconfessed or confessed, something they did or left undone, could never separate that person, those people, from the love of God. We have to remember that about one another this morning and about ourselves. It is primary in our relationship with God to understand what God has done with our sin. The psalmist in Psalm 51 is so obviously grappling in a profound way. So let's look at the text. Beginning in verse one. Be gracious to me, God, according to your faithful love. According to your abundant compassion, blot out my rebellion. Completely wash away my guilt and cleanse me from my sin. For I am conscious of my rebellion. Amen. And my sin is always before me. Against you, you alone I have sinned and done this evil in your sight. So you are right when you pass sentence. You are blameless when you judge. Indeed, I was guilty when I was born. I was sinful when my mother conceived me. Surely you desire integrity in the inner self. And you teach me wisdom deep within. Purify me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Wow. Turn your face away from my sins and blot out all my guilt. God, create a clean heart for me and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence or, or take your Holy Spirit from me. Re- restore the joy of your salvation to me. And sustain me by giving me a willing spirit. Then I will teach the rebellious your ways. And sinners will return to you. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, I ask that you just just drive these words deep within us. The the prayer of the psalmist is, is... It is penitent and it is raw. And I ask that you let it be my prayer today as I attempt to to speak on your behalf. Bless me 
It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. It was back in 2016 when um, our dog, our family dog, whose name was Phil. I'm not kidding. His name was Phil. And he, he passed away. We had had Phil for almost 12 years, and we were so, we were so sad to, to see Phil go. And, and we've yet to get another dog. And Leslie Ann's eyes are lifting right now because she knows I'm opening myself up here by using this as a sermon illustration. But I'm just not there yet with getting another dog for a variety of, of, of reasons. It's a huge endeavor. And I believe with all my heart that when we get that dog, even though there are a hundred other people in our household, that I'm going to be the one taking care of that dog. So, but that's another sermon. We're going to move back over here. And Leslie Ann, whom I love, almost 16 years of marriage in a couple of weeks, and, and, and she says, I'm going to lose this battle, and we are going to get another dog. And, and I respond with, we can get another dog, but I won't be living in our house anymore. <laughs> and she doesn't seem to be taking my bluff there. What is complicating matters is the newest member of our household, our baby girl, Hattie, snuggled up next. Well, first of all, she is a lover of all animals. Like it's really unreal. I think I've told you that before, but she's probably going to be a veterinarian. It's really unbelievable how much she loves animals, particularly dogs, any dog. She would run up to your Mastiff or Great Dane and just jump on him or her. And that's not safe. And we've got to protect her from that. But she just reckless abandoned loving dogs. And she snuggled up next to me a couple of days ago. And she whispered in my ear that Santa was going to bring her a purple puppy. And I think you encouraged her to do that, Leslie. <laughs> so we're going to see how this goes. Y'all stay tuned. I'll update you accordingly. She's just so hard to say no to. Not Leslie Ann, Hattie. <laughs> just the other day, carrying a Ziploc bag through the house filled with life cereal which when you step on life cereal, you know, it goes into a thousand pieces. And we try to have the rule in our house that you can't have food anywhere but in the kitchen, but it just doesn't happen all the time. And she's just walking through the house and eating life and dropping it on the floor and, and stepping on it. And I say, Hattie, you're dropping cereal everywhere and you're stepping on it and you're crunching it and it's really making a mess. You're supposed to have that in the kitchen and only in the kitchen. And she looks at me and she says, I didn't mean to, Daddy. <laughs> what? Didn't mean to? Walked right out of the kitchen with... The but I melt. And she says, I'm sorry. And she bats her eyes. It's terrible. <laughs> Have you heard the story of the family who cooked the beef tenderloin, which cost a lot of money because it was a special occasion and that, you know, you're supposed to let it rest before you cut it. And they set it out on the counter and, and then it was gone. And the dog and the cat are in the kitchen with a terribly guilty look on their face, trying to, to hide it. And the dog's tail is wagging and the eyes are just batting and the dog's saying, love me, love me, love me in spite of what I've done. And the cat looking up, licking its paws saying, do we have a problem here? Is there a problem? <laughs> and the truth is that neither the dog nor the cat is really repenting at all. The dog loved that beef tenderloin, made its weak. But the dog wants to restore the good feelings of the relationship the dog has with its owners. 
and so does the cat, but they want to restore those good feelings without doing anything about the real brokenness that exists in the situation. And we humans do this all the time. If you're a new Christian today, or if you happen to be here and you, you do not yet follow Christ, I'm so glad that you're here. And let me tell you a couple of things about, about what we believe. And, and, and church family, if you're here and you've been a Christian for a long, long time, it's good for us to hear this over and over again. What we believe about sin that the psalmist is tapping into here that is, that is providing his profound guilt in this passage. How he is crushed. We believe we're prone to sin as people. And our sin, it separates us from God and it hurts God. It's a big deal. And we believe that the Holy Spirit helps us to see our sin, to recognize it and to be able to to respond to the fact that we have hurt God. Because you can't turn from something that you're not aware of. So praise God that we are able to be aware of it. And what we believe is that a, a, a true and, and right relationship between us and God could not be, cannot be restored without first addressing the real brokenness that exists between us and God and among us. The psalmist says, my sin is always before me against you. You alone have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. And I'm willing to bet that each of us in here today can relate to the psalmist. We have all done things we know we should not have done or not done things we know we, we should have done. And I'm, I'm really not talking about us tapping into what we may have learned in Sunday school as a child, that we are separated from God, that sin separates us from God, that we are over here and God is over here. And there's a chasm in between us that only Jesus can fill. And that is all true, but I learned that in my head before I learned that in my heart and my soul. And it has been years of uncovering the truth of that in, a, in hurtful ways, ways that have hurt me and ways where I have hurt others as I have learned the truth of this, not just in my head, but in my heart and in my soul. The story of the Bible, which is our story, is full of tension and tensions. And one of the chief tensions is the idea that we are to be aware of our brokenness so much that we are moved to repentance. And we'll get back to that word in a minute. But then after our repentance, after our turning to God, we're still prone to sin. We still hurt each other. It's so frustrating. I remember vacation Bible school as a boy. And if you don't know what vacation Bible school is, let us tell you about it and bring your kids this summer because it's this summer, next summer, whatever, next summer. Because we will teach them the gospel. And I remember learning it as a kid. And my dad was the pastor. And all the kids, usually on a Wednesday, would sit after the morning rally. And we would sit in the pews. And he would tell us the story of the gospel. And tell us our relationship with God before restoration. And he would tell us about sin. And he would describe sin in a way that I'll never forget. Because one of the definitions for sin is actually missing the mark. And so dad, being a sports enthusiast, just like I am, or I guess I'm like he is, whatever. But he would use an analogy where he would say, imagine I have a bow and arrow and I'm trying to hit the little league ball field, which was a couple of miles away from the church in our little small town. And I keep shooting it and I keep shooting and I keep shooting it, but I keep missing. Every time I shoot it, I miss. And that's what it's like between us and God. 
in us trying to live our lives and love God with our own understanding, with our own strength. We will always miss the mark. Salvation cannot be attained any other way than by Jesus. I didn't want my sin to be counted against me. I was learning what the psalmist is saying, that my sin is always before me. But when I think about the times that I've really hurt someone, when I've done something reckless, that is when I can in my bones truly relate to what the psalmist says here. And I cannot shake it in my prayer. My number one prayer for our community is that we would feel that way too about the way that we treat one another. And that our sin would break our hearts in how it hurts God and hurts one another. Because such a broken heart can lead to true repentance, which is what the psalmist is crying out for here. So yes, in a very basic and profound way, I want our church to be about repentance. So from time to time, we need to remind each other what repentance is. So first today, repentance is literally to turn around. It's to turn around. It's to go in the opposite direction to turn away from sin. It invokes regret. I wish I weren't this way, so I'm going to go this way. I wish these things weren't happening. So I'm going to go practice these things. Be grateful that you recognize your sin, that the Holy Spirit illuminates it for you, because then and only then can you turn around and go in the opposite direction. We literally need to remove ourselves from the situation sometimes. My heart broke this week when I learned the news of John Christ, who was a a funny and, and wonderful comedian, and I think did good work for the church in reminding us in a satirical way of our own junk. And my heart breaks for the sin that has been uncovered in his life. Whatever it is in your life, for some of us it may be alcohol and that temptation, which can literally destroy lives. You may need to go in the opposite direction, completely away from it. Some of us have a really hard time being nice to one another, and that shouldn't be so hard. We should say kind words as a matter of practice, even if it makes you almost vomit. Be kind to one another, and in doing so, you will learn to like one another even better as you do, but you turn away from that part deep in you, which is from the pit of hell that wants us to to, to divide amongst ourselves and not be kind, be kind. Repentance, turning away from our sin. Second, it's recognizing that we are in fact not God. And the psalmist does that here. There's God's standard for our lives, God's command on our lives, and we fail to meet that. And in doing so, every time we fail to meet that, we are trying to take God's place. We act as if we know better than God. And repentance is, in fact, to realize that we are not God. For most of us, it's not as much about admit, you know, I don't know anybody that's running around saying, other than Kanye West a few years ago, that they are God. I don't hear you saying that. It's, more, it's, it's how we act. And it can trick us and trip us up. We don't realize we're putting ourselves in the place of, of God. But all of us, in some form or another, live as if we are God at times. And repentance is recognizing that we're not God. And sin is a consequence of us acting like we are God. When we recognize and when we realize who we are, in relation to God, then and only then can we have relationship with God. 
husband and wife were visiting Scotland and they noticed that the, behind all the farmer's houses, there were, there were, there were fences, there were fenced in backyards. And in many of the homes and these cottages, there was a donkey in the backyard. And so the, the, the couple addressed one of the farmers and the homies, they said, we noticed that you have a donkey in the, in the back of the house. Does the donkey still help you work the fields and plow your peat fields? The farmer said, oh, no, no, no. We, we, we have motorized plows now. We, we don't need the donkey to, to work the fields. And the couple visiting said, well, why do you still have the, the donkey? Well, the donkey's part of our family. We love the donkey. The donkey helped us plow our fields for six years. If we got rid of the donkey, our children would kill us. You mean you just keep it back there and you, and you feed it and you take care of it and you have the vet come and look at it and you just, yeah. Yeah. Well, doesn't that cost a lot? Yeah. What's the alternative? We, we love our donkey. While living in Oklahoma and pastoring there, the pastor and his family, they, they heard a not so surprising weather report. And this was well before Doppler radar. So you, you kind of had to be aware of what was on the horizon at this time, but good thing in Oklahoma that you can see for miles. So they could see it coming and there was a tornado coming. And so they stood out in their front yard and they watched the tornado coming and they thought that it might zag that way, but it, it wasn't in fact zagging. It was coming right for them. So at some point they realized we've got to get out of here. And they got in their car and they sped down the driveway because they needed to get west of town. And they realized, oh my goodness, where's Kirby? Kirby was the little sausage dog that they loved so much. They had left Kirby, but the tornado was coming, but there was no choice to make here. They had to go back and get Kirby and risk their lives. The tornado was coming, a huge one, but we have to go back and get Kirby. Jesus tells a story about a shepherd who was busy caring for his 100 sheep. And one got away. Maybe you've heard the story. And the shepherd left all the sheep that were still there with him to go and get that one. And what I've learned about that story is that when the shepherd finally got to the one sheep to, to bring the sheep back to the fold, the sheep would have been quite reticent to be taken anywhere by the shepherd for whatever reason. And it would have been reluctant to go. So the shepherd literally had to drag the sheep back into the fold because the shepherd loves the sheep. And the third thing I want you to know about repentance today is that you, it means that you accept this love. You accept being found because that sheep's story is each of our stories as well. We have been sought out and found, and we must accept being found because you are loved. This psalm does not speak of second and third chances because any second chances or third chances or fourth chances that you will get, we will squander just like we did the first chance. What this psalm promises us is new life, a new way. It's what the table represents for us today. It's not another chance to try our best to be good enough. 
It is Jesus taking our place, putting us on his back and carrying us home because you are worth it. You are loved. This is the story the table tells for us today. You are loved. Please accept being found.